So in divinity school, in order to receive your Master of Divinity, you have to take a preaching course, believe it or not. <laughs> and it usually falls within your second year. It's an introductory course that allows students to learn techniques and practice writing and delivering sermons in front of their teacher and peers. And there's time for feedback, um, whether it's critique on your sermon or praise, uh, depending on what you deserve. It's a time for exploration and for growth. And I wanted no part of it at all. <laughs> I like to be an all-A student in a class that said exploration and growth does not sound like it guarantees an A. Plus, crowds and public speaking, they make me nervous. I um, had never had any preaching experience. I knew God had called me into ministry, but I wasn't ready to accept the preaching part of that calling. I had seen my peers preach in the chapel. Some of them were full-time pastors, so they were phenomenal and had plenty of practice. They would be fine. There was no way that I was going to be as good as they were. So I put the course off a year, thinking that I would somehow get out of it. And a year later, third year rolls around, and I am enrolled in that course. But I'm not alone, because I talked two of my friends into enrolling in it with me. Um, There's security in numbers. And so the first sermon was due. It was time to prepare. I'd studied up. I'd watched all the videos of other famous pastors preaching. I'd learned the techniques, and I'd signed up for the last available spot in the class because I didn't learn my lesson. And I guess somehow I thought a room full of preachers will run out of time, and I'll get postponed to the next day. You give a pastor a microphone, right? Um, so. I'd forced my two friends that had taken it with me, we had um, told them that no matter what, when it comes to the feedback portion, you have to say something nice about what I said. You have to. I need you in my corner. And so the time came for the sermon. I didn't get out of it. Uh, I walked up to the pulpit, and I cannot tell you a single thing that I said in that sermon. I do remember the faces of um, the teacher and the peers as I delivered it and as they stared back at me. Um, and it was, when it was over, there was a blank silence. It took over the room and I looked over at my friends like, now's the time when you're supposed to say what we said you would say. But they were in silence, um, not even like mediocre comments of it was fine. There was a response that only a loving teacher with thoughtful care and attention could respond to. A reflection and a redirection was needed. Obviously, the expectations and ways that other pastors had preached did not carry over too well with me. Because in truth, it was a horrible sermon. It's okay. <laughs> The worst grade I've probably received in divinity school. <laughs> I wasn't being true to the voice that God had given me to preach. I'd put my trust in the expectations of what I thought a great preacher was. One with a booming voice. 
confidence exceeding. You're supposed to memorize it and walk around the room. And for those of you that know me, it's not really my style. But hey, here's to giving it a try. I didn't trust that God had already bestowed the preaching gift on me. I just had to trust in God to find it. Letting go of my own ideas and expectations, it can be a scary thing. And the psalmist, I feel, had experienced the importance of trusting God a time or two. It seems as though they knew all too well, writing about how God alone is their trust. Proclaiming that in God alone comes salvation, is the rock and the foundation for one's life. I shall never be shaken. It's sturdy, a trust that is built upon and ever-growing in God. It's a solid foundation without cracks that give way. It's the kind of trust that we long for, to have the relationship with God, to shake the worries and constraints of the world away. Because the worldly things can cause us to face tremors within our own lives. The psalmist writes of attacking and battering victims of lies and falsehood. Words carry weight through voices, through ink and paper. Words matter. What expectations do the words of the world, media outlets, news outlets, news channels, influencers, how do they influence us? The constraints and parameters of the latest diet plan, of bigger homes, of newer phones, of cars and clothing styles, the spending habits, the vacation plans, do they ever just leave us wanting more and waiting for the next thing? Perhaps it's the career field, always working towards the promotion. Why work 40 hours when you can work 60 hours, right? Are we looking for fulfillment in our nine to five? And there is a time and a place for that. Some seasons are busier than others. And we all know the joy in a little treat yourself kind of day. We know that bills must be paid, but has it taken over our focus? What is our identity? Are we still living into who God has created each of us to be? Are we living into God's expectations? Or are we measuring up to what society has deemed acceptable and important? Because with society's standards, there's false satisfaction that will leave you always wanting more. Who are we trying to please? Who are you trying to attempt to be? And what is it all for? And this is not to say that any of the things are bad in a sense. This is not a sermon where Jesus says, sell all your things. That's going to be a sermon for another day, I'm sure. But when these things, these expectations of the world take our focus away from our foundation, they take our focus away from God, when they create alternative versions of ourselves, our fulfillment is distorted.
we will never measure up to worldly desires. Because in a broken world, there's always more to want. You'll be left feeling tiresome and exhausted. Which is why this is so important today. We are a people who, though at times we may be distracted, we return ourselves to God. We long for the foundation. So we take a moment, a moment to pause from our daily lives and reflect to lift up God's grace and mercy. We take a moment to come and worship together in praise, in thanksgiving, in prayer, together. We come to remind ourselves of the hope that our faith will not be shaken, that the expectations of the busy world tend to fade when we reset ourselves to the glory of God. Sometimes we need a minute, or in a Sunday service, a few minutes, to gather ourselves and remind ourselves to trust in God. As the passage of Jeremiah stated earlier, blessed is the one who trusts in the Lord and whose confidence is in him. God is our source. Christ's teachings and way of life is our example of how to live. I mean, Jesus was the ultimate defier of expectations, right? He, God took on human flesh coming as a baby, born in a manger, not really what they thought the king of kings would be, vulnerable and innocent. Jesus went on to grow and led and gather disciples of fishermen and tax collectors. Again, this is not what was expected. The stories of healing on the Sabbath, to touching the untouchables, to eating with sinners, that was not the normal way. It's not expected. Leading the life of breaking and shedding expectations is not always easy. We know that Jesus wasn't favored by many within his last few days leading up to the crucifixion and death. But we also know that there was resurrection. And there was Easter. The things that the followers had heard from Jesus but no one expected it. There was eternal life found in Christ. God's entire story defies expectations. So why should we fall to the expectations of the world? So we cling to be like the tree in Jeremiah by water spreading its roots to the water toward the source of nourishment. We spread our roots to God and grow deep in his love. Though the heat may come, as the scripture says, and we all know about the heat these days. Though the heat may come, the life of Jesus, being a disciple of Jesus, was built on defying the normal expectations and living into that life we are called by God to do. So even in the heat, our confidence in God does not suffer in the drought. The things of this world do not inhibit 
the growth when our trust and confidence is in God. You know, I like to think that I've come a long way since that first sermon. If not, you can see me after. <laughs> I love chips now. <laughs> um, and the horrible grade that I received. Again, it was the lowest grade in divinity school, I'll admit. But I'll always remember that sermon, delivering it at least, and the faces and the class, because it was where I was shepherded and guided to live into the voice that God had given me with a teacher that saw my calling, and instead of trying to shape me into other voices, provided a space for me to find my own, and the voice that I continue to grow in daily. It reminds me that though the world swirls around us and tugs us in all different directions, I just need to simply be the person that God has created me to be, to walk humbly, to love immensely, to seek justice, and respond with compassion. So in this summer series, the great summer chill out, today we look to shed expectations of the world and of others and to embrace the you that you are, who God has created you to be. Our hope is not in what we can accomplish, it's not in other people's opinions. It's not how we measure up to others' expectations or even how we rate ourselves against others. We can learn from others. We can be held accountable by others. But your worth should never be measured by the expectation of others because you are enough. Our wealth is found in being a child of God living into who God has created you to be, your unique individual self. To God be the glory. Amen.